Hello, everyone, and welcome to Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Bizarro, and today I have with me my co-host, Deborah Micus. Hello. And today we'll be interviewing Melanie Wade from the Cultured South Fermentation Company, and they produce Golda Kombucha. Hi, Melanie. How are you today? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for asking. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your company and, and the products you guys um, produce in your location? Yeah, so um, we produce Golda Kombucha, which is Georgia's first kombucha company. We're located at 1038 White Street over on the west end of the Beltline Trail, and we have a tap room there called Cultured South. It's a fermentation marketplace and kombucha bar. And how did you get into uh, opening up the bar and getting into kombucha? Well, it all started with a little old lady named Golda. She's my grandmother. She's 98 years old. And she taught me how to make kombucha several years ago. And I fell in love with kombucha and fermentation in general and started Golda Kombucha in 2013. And from there, I've just been growing the business and decided to open the Cultured South Tap Room, which is a full kombucha bar and fermentation marketplace. I love that this is something that comes from your grandmother. Is it something you grew up having with her and she just recently taught you how to make it yourself? Or is it a new product to you as well when she first showed you how to make it? Well, I grew up going to my grandmother's house um, in the southwestern part of Virginia in the Appalachian Mountains. And she made kombucha in her home as well as a lot of other um, fermented goods and healthy fare. And so seeing the kombucha made at my grandmother's house was something I was accustomed to and something that I was used to seeing, but I never really knew what it was or never really gained an interest um, in it until I was in college and visiting her one summer on my college break. And that's when I really began to research kombucha. She had lots of books in her library about how to make kombucha and the health benefits of it and I kind of took an interest in it from there and she taught me how to make it and I took home her SCOBY which stands for a symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast um, which is also called the mother of kombucha it's it's the thing that you need to use to make kombucha tea and so I like to say I got my mother from my grandmother (laughs) I love it And so do you still use the original recipe that your grandmother uh, gave you? Uh, Yes and no. So the original recipe was, um, you know, pretty basic. Uh, My grandmother didn't do any sort of like flavoring or um, any use of herbs or fruits. It was just a plain green tea based kombucha. Um, My special touch was adding the, the different herbs and fruits. So like adaptogen herbs and healthy fruits that um, really help out your body and your mind and also make a really tasty drink. So now that you have this, I mean, it's a brewery, right? It's kind of a pub where you can go and have it, where you guys are brewing it. And do you have it on tap? Is that how you serve it? Yep. So um, Goldhead Kombucha's Brewery is the first of its kind in the state of Georgia and one of the only few kombucha breweries in the southeast. It's um, a full-scale kombucha brewery functioning as um, 
a wholesale distribution point as well as um, a microbrewery to produce what we sell in the tap room, which is all on tap or draft kombucha. And so does it go into kegs and things like that, like beer? Is it the same idea when you ferment it? I mean, I've always seen it in a bottle. So how does that, does that work the same way? It goes into a keg to, in order to go on tap? Yep. Yep, absolutely. In 2013, we pioneered kombucha on tap for the state of Georgia. So um, we've been selling it um, by the keg ever since then. We have several different restaurants, bars, cafes that sell it on tap. And um, in the Cultured South Tap Room, you can find about 10 different flavors of Golda kombucha at any given time. And so are you constantly rotating your flavors based on just new experiments that you guys make, or do you have the same ones all the time? We try and keep um, a good variety. Um, we do have some uh, fan favorites like lavender lemon, peach ginger, and strawberry mint that we try to keep on tap at all times. Those are kind of the flavors that we're really known for. But um, we really love working with um, our local farms and farmers and uh, producing high-quality um, kombucha from some of their crops. Um, and, and that's by season. So, you know, um, it just depends on what we can get our hands on. And we're always trying to try new, new products and new herbs and new fruits um, to see what they can do with kombucha. You also mentioned other fermented products. And so what would those be? So um, in 2018, we launched a, a full line of fermented goods under the Cultured South brand, um, things like Water Keeper Soda, which is um, a cousin of kombucha. It's almost like a, a, a kombucha's mellow cousin. It's very um, nice and mellow, not too acidic, not too sharp. Um, so that's the Water Keeper. Right now we have a, a rose-flavored um, Water Keeper, and we call it Petal Brew. Um, and then we also have um, various kinds of milk keeper. So we have a, um, a dairy keeper, which is some very similar to a yogurt. It's great in parfaits, um, milkshake smoothies, or just with uh, some granola and fresh fruits. Um, then we also have a vegan um, cashew-based nut milk keeper, which is in partnership with Treehouse Nut Milk. And we take their cashew milk and culture it into uh, the dairy, uh, the dairy-free keeper. Is, then is, we also have a um, a fermented vegetable. It's a krautchi, which is a sauerkraut and a kimchi hybrid. So it's a kind of a a new age ferment that's based off some old world traditions. And then we also make a fire cider, which is an apple cider vinegar tonic with spices and herbs that help combat blues and colds and boost the immune system. So uh, for the audience, just so everyone knows, what are some of the health benefits of kombucha and the products that you mentioned? Just because I think it's important for anyone who wants to try your product to, to understand the health benefits that come along with it. Yeah, so mostly um, kombucha and fermented foods are known to help out with the microbiome which is your gut and the flora that lives inside of your gut. It inoculates your gut and your digestive tract with what we call good bugs or good bacteria, which means it's going to help you digest your food 
get the proper nutrients from your food and gain more energy from the digestion system. Um, so that's the, that's the most um, well-known property of kombucha and fermented foods is uh, the probiotic quality. Um, however, it's also really good for um, other, other things like hair, skin, and nails, um, immune system. Um, kombucha does have, have beneficial acids such as gluconic acid, maltic acid, those things help with all sorts of um, body functions. And so uh, a lot of people regard kombucha tea as a complete body wellness drink. So if someone were to come into the brewery, what, like, what all would they see on a menu? What's this normal order someone would maybe? Do they order a whole lunch and there's food and drinks? Or what would maybe something like that look like? So... Um, Primarily, we focus on just drinks. So um, we have a, a large tap menu of about 10 different kombuchas on tap. Um, and then we have um, locally uh, made gelato. We have dairy gelato and vegan gelato. And we add those into um, a pint of kombucha on draft, and we call it a kombucha float. And um, that's a really great treat to have in the, the spring and summertime when it's hot out it's very refreshing it's almost like an um an ice cream and coke float um but of course it's made with frothy kombucha and locally made gelato so that's one of um the things that we're known for we also make kefir milk smoothies and that's either made with our nut milk kefir or our dairy kefir and fruits like fresh peaches um pecans bananas, a little bit of honey, and it's almost like a, a healthy milkshake, but there again, the base is kefir, so it's even better for you. And then another cultured south product that we make is our cashew cheese. It's under the brand Pure Abundance, so it's cultured cashew cheese, and we actually culture it with the kombucha culture, and we make that on a cheese board and serve it in the tap room with local pickles from Do South Pickles sourdough crackers from Georgia Sourdough, and habanero rosemary jam from Piedmont Provisions. I love how you have other local products worked into your menu. I mean, that sounds like just such a great collaboration with other groups. And so how did you pick those products? Well, we do a lot of farmer's markets, and we really believe in our community and sourcing locally when possible. So for me, it was a natural move to look to our allies and our local producers that we just know throughout the food community here in Atlanta. And um, it just happens to all make sense on our cheese board and in our tap room. Um, we use Revolution Gelato, which is our, our vegan gelato supplier, and they're a local company. And then we also use Honeysuckle Gelato for our dairy gelato, which is literally made about three warehouses down from us at the Culture South Tap Room. So um, yeah, we we love uh, we love partnering with our local um, friends in the community. And Do South Pickles is actually our next door neighbor. We share a wall together, so that was um, you know definitely something we wanted to do. And then yeah, we we just love um, sourcing locally when when we can, and just um, using our friends and having their products featured in our tap room. Yeah, we love seeing that. And that's something our company is doing more and more of is the and it's really what people are asking for, too. They love to have things locally sourced and 
really helping their own um, economies and the workforce and all that. So it's always great to see that. So the first time I ever tried kombucha, it's um, it very shortly after I had it, and this obviously was not your product, but it was shortly taken off the shelf and because it over fermented or something and all of a sudden started having alcoholic properties and it was sold in grocery stores and here in Colorado alcohol isn't sold in grocery stores unless it's like lower than a three two content. So they only sell three two beer. Anyway, and so do you guys sell it in an alcoholic form or do you stop the fermentation process and keep it on more of a just a beverage that is non alcoholic? Correct. So we produce a non-alcoholic kombucha, which means it has less than half a percent of alcohol for alcohol per volume. Um, so that's something that, you know, we really um, are proud of, uh, keeping our alcohol qualities down. Um, we want it to be a healthy drink for people, not not a boozy drink. Um, but you're correct. Uh, kombucha is fermented, so naturally it's going to have a trace amount of alcohol. However, there's proprietary processes that are um, that we utilize to keep that uh, alcohol level down. So, do you have business partners, or is this something you've started all by yourself? No, I started Gold at Kombucha in 2013 um, all by myself. Um, quit quit my day job in marketing and PR and went to work for myself full time and haven't looked back since. And so as you move forward in your business, I mean, do you have goals and that you have on in your sites that you're like, okay, by this year, I want to do that. Or what type of things are, is this your future hold in your mind? Yeah, of course. Um, I think, you know, there's a really bright future for fermented foods and drinks and all. And, we definitely have a strategic plan and a goal in mind about how we're going to roll that out to the southeast and the greater. And so, are you currently in in other retail stores, or can people? How do people find your products? Uh, well, the first and easiest would be to um, come visit our tap room, ten thirty eight White Street, Atlanta, Georgia, right off the southeast south, southwest Best Beltline Trail. Um, that would be the easiest way to really um, experience what we're all about. And you can have over 10 different flavors of Golda kombucha on tap and in bottles in a kombucha float. Um, however, if you can't make it over to the tap room, we do have um, about 125 Kroger stores that have our products. They have the lavender lemon and the strawberry mint in stores throughout the state of Georgia. And then we're also in um, Whole Foods and um, several small independent retailers, um, about 100 throughout the state. And can your products be found online? Due to the refrigerated nature of our products, we do not carry them online. Okay, that makes sense. And so from uh, taking your product and your grandmother's product, how did you go about opening up your own store, what started that and where the idea coming from come from? And was there an opportunity or a redevelopment opportunity that happened that you took advantage of? It was really my dream all along to open up a kombucha tap room. As soon as I started putting kombucha in kegs in 2013, I knew that that would be a perfect model to have a little kombucha bar and kombucha tap room. 
so, um, yeah, I pretty much, uh, you know, set my sights on that. And uh, in um, 20, uh, 2018, about um, March or April, we um, started construction on our tap room. We had already moved our brewery into uh, our current space at that point, which is um, Lee and White. It's uh, the Atlanta's uh, first food and beverage district. There's tons of um, food and drink purveyors there, like Honeysuckle Gelato, American Spirit Whiskey, Monday Night Garage, Best in Brew Pub, Hop City. Um, so it was a really great fit for us to be brewing and making our fermented goods right along with our um, brothers and sisters and um, beer and, and grain alcohol production. So it was, um, it was a dead giveaway that that was where I wanted to be producing and then open up a retail shop there. And that's exactly what we did. We opened up on May 20th of 2018 and um, have been going strong ever since. So is that now where you do all of your production and your bottling for your retail sales? Yes, it is. So um, we produce all of our products right there on site in the back. Um, and then it's literally brought just footsteps away to sell in the tap room. And as far as your strategic plan goes, do you have visions of more tap rooms located maybe throughout Georgia or other states? Yeah, I would love to open more tap rooms. Um, I'm in talks with a few different key players to open up some more throughout the Southeast. And just curious, I mean, did you grow up in a household where other people were entrepreneurs, or are you the first in your family to go out and be an entrepreneur? Well, um, actually, I come from um, a family of entrepreneurs, um, not in my immediate family, but my grandfather on my dad's side was um, a veterinarian and owned his own vet clinic with my grandmother. And so I really believe that I got my entrepreneurial spirit from there. Um, when I was a kid, I, I worked alongside of them um, on the weekends and during the summers and, and really got a feel for what it was like to own a business through them and really enjoyed it. So um, I like to say that I got, you know, my mother from my grandmother and my entrepreneurial drive from my grandfather. I love it. It's all in the family. And so when you decided to go out on your own, I mean, was it something you did? Is it something you saved up for in your job? Or is it something you're like, I need to do this. I'm going to take this kombucha and and sell it and, and go to shows. Or how did you market it and get it off the ground? I mean, was it something that was just successful because the flavor and the profile worked or is the right timing? So tell us a little bit about that. I think it was both. Um, when I started Golden Kombucha, you know, there wasn't any other kombucha brands out um, in the state of Georgia. And really, the, um, the environment wasn't really sure what kombucha was. Um, no one really had heard the word before. Um, and if they had heard it, you know, they were uh, a little bit more of like the grassrooty underground type folks that are really into food and farming and um, holistic medicine. But um, over the past four to, four to five years, you know, the, the kombucha industry has continued to grow, and um, it's been a lot of education. Um, we, we firmly believe in doing a lot of grassroots marketing and community education. Um, so that was, you know, what really, like, gave our, br our brand flight in the, in the early days. But, um, you know, it, it's um, essentially my, my, my baby. I've bootstrapped the entire business. 
from the ground up. And um, here we are today, uh, you know, expanding and just getting more stores and more customers. So it's been, been great. You know, a lot of the conversations that we have with other food entrepreneurs is people sometimes don't really have a great feel of how to get their products into these retail stores. And so how did you go about doing that? Well, it really all just came organically. Um, You know, I think the product really speaks for itself. It has a great taste. It's not too sharp and acidic like a lot of the kombuchas on the market. We do a process called oak aging, which means we ferment our kombucha in American oak barrels. To me, that really gives our product a a different flavor and a different quality than most of the products on the market. It's a little bit more earthy, a lot more mellow, and that's something that I pioneered in 2013 with the state of Georgia, just fermenting in oak barrels instead of glass or plastic, and that's my story, and I've been sticking to it, and Um, You know, it's been great, and um, we've just been growing and growing and, um, you know, continue to grow throughout, you know, new breweries and opening up tap rooms and things like that. So when you say you did that with the state of Georgia, did you have some form of a grant or did you work with a university or was there some involvement literally from the state? Uh, what I mean by that is we were the first kombucha company to incorporate in the state of Georgia. And um, essentially, uh, the Department of Agriculture and all the regulatory bodies um, and Department of Health and all of that in Georgia essentially did not know what kombucha was when I came to them and you know was trying to get licensed. Um, and that's just because kombucha was a new thing for the, the East Coast. It's pretty prevalent out on the West Side and the West Coast. But um, since we were the first kombucha company in Georgia, it was a lot of education and, and teaching the governing bodies about kombucha and how it's made. So not only did you have to develop your plan, but you had to be a pioneer and kind of keep, like, create the regulatory compliance through the government as well. So, I mean, you really had to pioneer more than just being an entrepreneur. It sounds like you also were coming up with techniques. I mean, I was going to ask you if you use the same brewery equipment that, like, a craft beer uses, but I'm hearing you say that you use oak barrels, so maybe it's different. Well, it's very it's very similar. Um, a lot of the craft breweries are doing what you call a mixed culture beer, which is essentially a wild ale or um, a popular sour beer, um, and that uses a lot of uh, oak and, and wood to age the, um, the beer in. And that's essentially what we're doing, but with kombucha and with our culture. So, yeah, to answer your question, it is a lot of the same materials and the same look as a beer brewery. Because, like, you know, we're in Colorado, and we have lots of craft breweries around. And you go in, and they have big stainless steel vessels, it seems like, is how they're brewing brewing it. So do you have that as well or no? Yeah, we sure do. Um, So it all starts in the oak barrel, and we also have kettles and bright tanks and, um, you know, the whole thing that you would find in in, in any beer brewery. Um, We've we've got that all at at our brewery. And so can people, is it something people can, you also educate them on, on how it's brewed? Is it, do you offer classes or is it something that's just, when you said you went out and educated people, is it just on the benefits of kombucha or is it actually how it's produced and, and things like that? It's both. 
um, you know, we do a lot of farmers markets and festivals and tasting events and demos where we're sampling out our product and talking about how beneficial it is for everyone. Um, so that's a lot of grassroots education. But then on a higher level, we also offer classes and ticketed events where we teach about fermentation and um, how to do your own kombucha, how to make your own kombucha. Um, furthermore, on top of that, we also host a festival each year called the Atlanta Fermentation Festival, which is um, essentially a, just a huge education piece. It's a, a one-day festival where family and friends can come and enjoy um, all the fermented foods from around the state, as well as live music, educational demos and talks, and um, tastings of uh, fermented um, alcoholic beverages such as wine, vodka, mead, and craft beer. And when does that usually take place, just so our audience knows uh, to look what time of year that is? That's in, held in the spring every year. So this year's date is March 24th. It's on a Sunday. It goes from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m., and it's held right in our parking lot at Cultured South. And so how do you decide who all comes to that, or do people just sign up to be a vendor? Um, our vendor uh, applications are open to anything and anyone that deals with fermentation or um, supplies that fermenters use. Um, so most of our vendors are from the state of Georgia. However, it's not limited to just Georgians. I love how you're doing that. I mean, it's a great cross-pollination, again, to bring in all these different companies, and they can all put their email lists together and bring in all their clients, and they can introduce their clients to new products and vice versa. So it's a really great concept to kind of perpetuate all of your businesses. It's, it's brilliant. Is that your idea? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's a really great festival, and it's free and open to the public, so... If you've never heard of fermented foods or you want to learn more, it's a really great family-friendly way to learn and experience fermentation. I, we're going to put it on our calendar. I'm, hopefully, maybe we'll have a trip to Georgia to do something like that. That sounds exciting. And it's definitely better to be the flower than the bee, as they say, and attract people to you and, and bring them in. So I love the festival idea. I also like the whole idea of what, um, I believe you said it was Lee and White uh, District for the food district to to bring every all the food companies together to attract people to all of you guys. I think that's really neat, actually. Um, so I did yeah. want to touch upon it's that. Awesome. Go ahead. Yeah, it's it's really awesome. You know, um, the place that we're at, Lee and White, is uh, it's about two or three mile stretch of warehouses that back up to an old rail line so back in the day um the old warehouses were used for um food distribution and beverage distribution so it's kind of uh coming back full circle on that and that it's right on the belt line which used to be the old rail line and um you know box cars would pull right up to the docks of the warehouse and offload and unload um different types of agricultural products like peaches cotton um, produce and all that good stuff. And, um, you know, today we've kind of taken that warehouse and that food and beverage district vibe and made it into a brewery and uh, a fermentation marketplace and um, a local hub for fresh fermented foods. And so in terms of you taking that step, I mean, I'm, 
you've started in 2013. And so have you just self-funded yourself and grown based on what you could afford? Or did you have to take out loans? Or I mean, how have you done that? That's always a hard part for people who are entrepreneurs is figuring out how am I going to fund this and what steps can they actually afford to take? So what was your process? Um, yeah. So, you know, I, like I said, I bootstrapped the entire business myself and, um, you know, just reinvested money back into the business because I had full faith that the business would be successful. So I knew, um, I knew my plan. I knew my strategy and, um, just worked hard to, uh, make sure it happened. And why Atlanta? Is it is your family from Atlanta? Did you go to college there? How did you choose that as the location to launch your business? Or is it where you were for work after college when you were in marketing? Um, both, actually. So I was born and raised in Kennesaw, Georgia. And um, I went to Georgia State University for my college um, and have lived in downtown Atlanta since I was 18 years old. Um, so I knew that was, you know, my home and where I wanted to really start my business and grow. Um, I have lots of connections and, and ties to the city, and it just was a natural fit for me. And so uh, as a as business owners run into and, and entrepreneurs, what were some of the hardships, if you could think of, you know, one or two hardships or maybe even three what were they that you had to learn on the fly as you were starting your business as an entrepreneur and sort of what did you learn from those? Well, you know, scaling up a business is pretty hard. Um, there's really no handbook on how to scale up a business um, like kombucha because, you know, um, it's pretty recent that, you know, businesses got into the industry of making kombucha and um, essentially there's really no real roadmap to follow. Um, so it's kind of each company um, inventing the wheel and just kind of going the route that they know and think is best. So that was a lot of uh, trial and error and just in the brewing process, figuring out how to scale and how to work it up. Um, so that was a, a huge hurdle. Um, and then secondly, I would say that, you know, dealing with staff and um, HR is a big hurdle for a small business. Especially in food and beverage, there's a lot of um, people that are, you know, uh, in and out of, uh, of different businesses like that and revolving door folks and, you know, training people and getting people to really be passionate about um, their jobs and what it is they're doing. But I think it's um, one of those things where, you know, for me and my business, I've just relied on people to come, you know, to us because I really feel that in, our, in the you know universe, people will gravitate towards the things they love to do, and so I found some of my best and longest employees have actually you know come to us, and that's really um, remarkable because um, you know they're uh, they're happy working. It's essentially their their dream job, and they're doing great things for us. So the win win situation. You know, so as entrepreneurs, we all have to wear so many different hats. And so of all the hats that you wear, what would you say is your favorite part? Like, do you love dealing with the brewing and inventing new ideas? Do you like the marketing side of it since you have a background at that? And then also on the opposite side, what's the part that it's, you just really, it's not your favorite part and you love to be able to have someone help you out with it. I really love doing, um, marketing. So I would say that, um, 
being the chief executive marketing officer, um, social media, creative branding um, would be my favorite part. I, I love creating packaging, um, you know, art directing for graphic designers uh, on the look and the feel of the brand and just, you know, implementing new marketing strategies. That's my, that's really my, uh, my um, bandwidth. And I just love doing that kind of stuff. My least favorite would probably be the, the numbers, the math and the accounting that goes along with it. Um, so I learned early on that it's really great to outsource the stuff that you're not too fond of or not very skillful at. So luckily there's um, a great accountant that we work with that's able to take all that on. Yeah, it's definitely important to find people who are trustworthy in whatever part it is. And while, you know, money really matters, all of the parts really matter. And we all have our wheelhouse of comfort. And uh, it's nice to find those people that are really reliable and that you can trust. And is that someone that you knew or did they come recommended from someone else who owned a business? Or how did you find your your person in the financial industry? Well, actually, I just found them pretty recently. Um you know, uh, it's basically just, you know, someone that through uh, several weeks of research I landed on and they're, um, you know, local. So that's great. And we just get along really well. We're able to work flow um, very accurately and very precisely. So, um, yeah, it's just uh, through lots of research and, and interviews and vetting the right person for the job. And so how involved do you actually let them be? Like, do they help you manage costs of your products? Do they help you find a way to save money? Or do they just go to the bare minimum and help you with your taxes and payroll? Or like, how do you decide what, how big that role is? It's a pretty big role. They deal with anything revolving numbers and math. So anything from the day-to-day invoicing to the end-of-year financials. Um, I do have a separate CPA that does all the tax filings, but the bookkeeper and the accountant, um, they work very closely with the CPA. And so at this point, how many people do you employ? I employ 20 people. Um, A few are part-time and a few are full-time. That's a lot. You know, I mean, it's anyone who's actually employed people really understands the importance of making sure you have revenue because all of them are paying the rent or whatever it is, their health insurance. They're either getting it through you or one way or the other, whether you're paying them or they get it through your company. And there's a lot of weight to that. Is that hard for you or you've grown into 20 people over time? Um, No, I I definitely only started with, uh, you know, a handful of folks um, that were, you know, strictly part-time. So, I grew into, um, you know, people being with my company full time. And honestly, you know, I wish I would have done it sooner so that I could focus on more of the relevant things that, that I need to focus on. And what are some of those things that you feel that you need to focus on to keep moving forward? And how do you, um, in doing that, how do you keep your employees inspired? Um, Some of the things that I think is important for people and entrepreneurs to focus on as they're growing their business is um, strategy, Um, you know, and doing one thing very, very well and not spreading yourself too thin and trying to be everywhere at once. I think that's really, you know, important to have a a honed in mission and a honed in goal of where you're trying to go with your business. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I think that's like one of the most important things that I could offer to anyone that's trying to do a startup business. And so if now, knowing what you know now, if you could go back to 2013 when you started this, what were some of the things that you would tell yourself now in order to help expedite your process to where you are now? Um, I mean, really, it's, it's about growing slow. I think if I would have, you know, put a lot of money into um, things that I didn't really need at that point in time, it would have really uh, undercapitalized my business. But I think growing slow and making very uh, smart and conscious decisions on what to buy and when in order to scale your business is the, really the best thing that you can do. And uh, just so the audience says, I just want to quick touch on this. Uh, your website is www.culturedself.com, and they can reach you on Instagram and Facebook at Cultured South. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And then um, goldakombucha.com, as well as uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at goldakombucha. And then the vegan cashew cheese that we make has its own brand. It's called Pure Abundance, and it's pureabundancefood.com and at pureabundance on social media. Okay, I will make sh- I will make sure I put all of that on the uh, episode notes as well so we can drive people to those links and to those Instagram sites. And as we do social media posts, we'll, we'll put them all out there for the audience as well, and they can always click on those to find you guys. Um, you know, the cashew cheese thing is, is, is really awesome. It's something with our company we've started seeing a lot of and, and people pulling out cheese and making mac and cheese out of the cashew cheese. Is that something you're going to offer wholesale potentially in the long run for, for companies to use in their products? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Pure Abundance has been wholesaling um, for about four years. So we're in Whole Foods. Um, several independent retailer stores, restaurants, and bars. And so how did you decide to expand into cashew cheese? Is it something you always took an interest in, as in the the health food side, or is it something that just came about through someone else? Uh, Tell us a little bit about that, because I think that's awesome how you've diversified your brand. Yeah, it's a it's a kind of an odd pairing, you know, kombucha and cashew cheese and fermented foods, but somehow it all has the same synergies and that it's that it's cultured and fermented. Um, the Pure Abundance brand I actually bought um, from someone who uh, had started the business, and I purchased the brand in 2017 and um, gave it a whole branding overhaul, whole marketing overhaul, and redeveloped the the recipe to include kombucha. So um, it's it's an adopted uh, product line, but um, I think we've we've been uh, achieving some really great results with it and some growth in the industry. Yeah, so I'm going to take us down a little bit of a tangent, which normally we haven't had on this show yet, just because you acquired a company and had success, which is amazing. And how did you go about finding the company? Was it something? something that became available for you for sales or something you went looking for? And then how did you do your due diligence to make sure it was the right fit or did you just have a gut feeling? Um, well, really, uh, you know, the Pure Abundance brand, brand found me. I wasn't seeking to purchase a company. Um, I wasn't, you know, even like a, a huge cashew cheese connoisseur myself. 
Um, I actually was approached by um, someone who owns the company, um, the former owner, and she um, approached me at one point and she said, you know, I'm looking to sell my business and I think you'd be really, really good at it. Would you be interested in talking about buying my business from me? And, you know, I was certainly very flattered and, um, you know, never would have thought that I would have been into the cashew cheese business. But um, one thing led to another. It just worked out. And, um, yeah, so so I I purchased a business from her in, in 2017 and haven't looked back since. That's amazing. You're extremely humble. I would not even have <laughs> known you kind of just slipped that in there. And I think it's an amazing thing and uh, to grow. And so are there other, like the cashew cheese thing really excites me because I think there's a huge growing market for it in the United States as well as the world. And uh, Deborah and I were just in Thailand, actually, and we saw cashew trees and how they uh, produce the cashews from the tree and box them and stuff. So the whole idea to us is very exciting. Um, it's obviously something we're not going to do, but how, you know, where can that go? What is the potential for cashew cheese in your opinion? Obviously you thought there was potential there and what are the different kinds of cheeses within the cashews, uh, cheese realm, I guess that you see coming about, or are you exploring new types of cheese and, and where's the future for uh, Pure Abundance? Well, really, um, you know, with cashew cheese, it is a huge growing category. Plant-based anything right now is super hot in the grocery world. And you're finding, you know, brands that are larger brands that are um, starting to develop plant-based vegan lines. And I think it's really interesting because not everyone wants to eat, you know, real cheese. Um, but at the same time, there's some brands that are doing, um, you know, some cheeses that aren't really like uh, naturally fermented or b- tasting very much like cheese. And some of the feedback that we've gotten from Pure Abundance is that our cheese actually tastes like an old world cheese. So it's it's not really like a mozzarella or a cheddar or anything like that. It's made to be um, like a cheese that you would drink, you would eat with it while drinking a glass of wine or enjoy, enjoying a charcuterie board. It's it's definitely a, a premium and gourmet type of cheese. Um, so there's two types um, that are the sliceable cheeses. That's pan, which is an urban crusted cashew cheese. It's got thyme, basil, and oregano um, encrusted on the outer side of it, and it's very similar to a goat cheese. It's great on toast. Um, you can slice it up in salads. Um, it, it kind of crumbles as well, so that's great. And then Luna is the original. It's uh, just an original flavored cashew cheese. Um, it's very silky and creamy. It melts a little bit, perfect on grilled cheese sandwiches, things of that nature. Um, and then the latest product line from Pure Abundance that I developed um, in 2018 is called Soul. And that is a Chipotle cashew cheese sauce. So it's almost like a nacho um, uh, dip sauce or a smothering sauce. Um, and that one comes in the 16-ounce uh, the glass jar. And so where do you come up with these ideas? Are you also a chef and you go into the kitchen? Or do you have someone who works for you who comes up with these ideas? Um, I'm not a chef. I actually have no culinary background. Um, but I... Ever since I was a little kid, I just love working with herbs and, and making things and making little tinctures and elixirs. 
um, and just kind of playing around and being like a mad scientist in the kitchen. <laughs> so I just really love experimenting. And, um, you know, I think of an idea, um, you know, I could be out, you know, grocery shopping or for a run or something like that. And I'll just think of a, an idea and then I'll just go into the kitchen and start um, creating and start playing around with recipes. And then once I get kind of like a, a hashed out recipe down, um, that's when I share it with my team who then helps me produce it on a mass scale. And so is there a little market inside of the pub where people can pick up all your different products or when they come to the pub, can they only order it off the menu? No, absolutely. They can order the Pure Abundance Cashew Cheese Board, and then they can also pick up the individual retail bars of Pan and Luna and the Jar of Soul. That's great. I love that. There so was a, a place that I used to visit all the time, and it was called Eat Drink in, um, in Colorado for the way liquor laws work, but they, it had to be two separate businesses, but they were attached. But anything you could order, with, whether it was a glass of wine or whether it was a cheese um, or whatever, you could buy it right there. And it was just such a great thing because you could literally taste everything before you purchased it, and uh, it was a great venue whether you went there to just enjoy it with friends or whether you wanted to have a party at your own house. So I love that model. Yeah, and and that's really what I wanted to do with Cultured South was not only provide an experience factor for people to come in and taste the kombuchas and taste the cashew cheeses, but then also take home an arm of savory goodies and, and fresh fare that they can, you know, create their own masterpieces at home with. And so what's the ambiance in your pub? Do you bring in live music or do you have like other events that you bring out outside of your restaurant or is it more of a straight up restaurant slash market? It's more of a cafe slash marketplace model. Um, we don't have a, a ton of live music. Um, we actually kind of gravitate towards more of like the healing arts. So, um, Tonight, for example, we have a, a Mondo Zen guided meditation. Um, we have a, a tea and plant um, guided meditation um, with like pairings of kombucha and um, different kinds of like adaptogens and um, plant tinctures uh, with a guided meditation. We host a uh, weekly yoga lesson. It's called Booch and Bend. It's every Sunday at 12 p.m. And that's a free yoga class that we offer up to the community. So, um, yeah, just bring a mat and buy some kombucha from the bar and get your yoga on. We've had uh, audience members that talk about this show so far that they're like, oh, my gosh, we need to go to Georgia to test some of this food. I have a feeling people are going to be uh, flocking to Georgia just to try all the, the cheese and the kombucha. I know Deborah and I are having trouble. I think we might have shorted out a mic or two drooling right now. But it's um, it's incredible what you've done. And um it's just amazing as a businesswoman and an entrepreneur, your strategic foresight as well as your ability to sort of pivot around things and give opportunity and open up to the community as well. You know, and part of what you're doing by doing the yoga and the education class, I feel is like really giving back to the community. Is that something that that means a lot to you and, and the healing and, and health and all of that? Absolutely. Well, I think that, you know, health and wellness goes hand in hand with fermented foods and kombucha and what we're trying to be all about. And 
it's a lot of our core demographic and our customers really prefer those kind of lifestyles. So, you know, for me, it just makes total sense to give the people what they want and really enhance their experience with, um, you know, things like that. So that's what we're really all about. So you have mentioned basically, I think, two companies. You have the brewery, and then you also have the cashew cheese company. Are there other companies you have or other ones you see that would be a logical next step to include into your whole ben- uh, business venture? I mean, so, you know, you've got Cultured South, um, the fermented food line. You've got the ta- Cultured South Tap Room. You've got Golda Kombucha pure abundance um fermentation fest is its own little business that i run so really i'm running five businesses and um you know i think that i i can't really handle much more than that i'm I'm very hesitant to take on more than i can chew but um you know i just want to really excel and grow the brands that i have for right now well, it sounds like you're doing a fabulous job and you have passion about each one of your projects that you have going on. So it's quite the, you know, resume you have and sounds like a really fun life and you've surrounded yourself with wonderful people. So it sounds like a great day. Every day you get to wake up and kind of go and involve yourself in all these passionate projects you have. Thank you. Yeah, I really enjoy working, you know, on the businesses every day. It's really something that is very fulfilling to me, and I wouldn't change it for the world. It's very satisfying to wake up every morning and employ a staff of 20 and, you know, bring healthy food and drinks to my community. I I love the um, your hashtag for fermentation fest atl in case anyone's looking on instagram that's fermentation fest atl and it's the hashtag it's fine under the brine i think that's so clever and and funny (laughs) it definitely put a smile on my face so i and i will make sure i include that again in all the episode notes so i can't thank you enough for being on the show seriously it it was amazing and you're really an inspiration and, and a motivation to a lot of people out there that you know, want to get in the food world or, or have ideas and you just, you've done so well and it's very impressive. And I, my gratitude to you for, for taking a chance and coming on the show and, and helping us push, um, the food entrepreneurs in the United States, especially Georgia, since we do spend a lot of time there. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add before we, we, uh, drop off or, or close up the episode? Yeah, I mean, you know, I really appreciate your, your sentiments. That's so kind. And, you know, I think it's really important in, in any business and especially food entrepreneurship is to stay humble, stay grounded, and to go with your gut, go with, with what you know is right, and really preserve, um, you know, fresh fresh foods and sacred recipes from the past. Um, you know, fermented foods is kind of a, a dying art, and I think it's important to get education out there about it and to really um, hone in on, on what it's all about and to uh, share it with the broader community. Well, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us, and it has been a pure joy getting to talk to you and hear your story. Yeah, and uh, definitely as, as well, we... Thanks. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say thank you so much for having me. This was a really great conversation. Yeah, I'd love to have you 
back on the show and as we get down the road later, because part of what we're trying to do on the podcast is tell the story and, and show people's progress. And you have quite a different brands. And with the five businesses you're running, I think there's a lot there to discuss. And as Deborah and I definitely come to Atlanta and try some of your products and stop by your pub and, and try some of the kabuchas, we'll have some more stuff to talk about. So I definitely would love to have you back on again down the road in a few months and just update how things are going and how the fermentation fest went. I think we could probably do a whole episode on that alone, that business model. And again, I'm, I'm so impressed. And we didn't know coming into this how impressed we would be or how many things. I mean, my mind's like a, a thousand hamsters on the hamster wheels trying to <laughs> think of all the things to talk to you about. But just because we're, we're getting close on time i want to make sure that i invite you to come do the show again if, if you'd like to and uh we'd certainly love to have you back on well thanks so much i would love to be back on and happy to go into detail on fermentation fest or anything else and so if anyone has any questions or, or wants to find you can you give everyone your location again uh, how they can reach you on Instagram and social media and the five names of your businesses again, just as we wrap up. Yeah, absolutely. Again, my name is Melanie Wade and I'm the owner and proprietor of Golda Kombucha. That's G-O-L-D-A-K-O-M-B-U-C-H-A. GoldaKombucha.com and Golda Kombucha on social media, as well as Cultured South. Cultured South Tap Room is located at 1038 White Street in the historic West End off the Atlanta Beltline Trail. Pure Abundance Food is the plant-based vegan cheese made from cashews. Pure Abundance is on social media as Pure Abundance and pureabundancefood.com. And then lastly, Fermentation Fest, fermentationfestatl.com and fermentationfestatl on social media. Well, thank you again. And I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm the host of Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. You can reach us at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs on Facebook and Instagram. You can also email me if you're interested on in being on the show or have questions for our guests. Uh, my email address is justin.bizarro at gmail.com. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. And thank you again. And thank you, Deborah, for being my co-host.